Welcome to Scoop with Steve Football. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scuba Steve Football. Uh, the Hall of Fame game is today, and I am uh, wrapping up some big picture questions for each NFL team as I review some 2022 film and get geared up for the 2023 NFL season with the uh, last team on my list being the Cleveland Browns. So, uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Stephen Clement. I study a lot of NFL film and use that to inform a machine learning model that spits out NFL game projections and player statistics for gambling and fantasy football purposes. Uh, a bit eccentric, but I do have a relevant background. I uh, learned to study film a decade or so ago when I did three years as a uh, quality control assistant at Northwestern and one at Toledo, and also have my BA in economics and MS in predictive analytics from Northwestern. Uh, I've mentioned this on previous shows, but uh, picture, picture plan is uh, NFL Game Pass willing to uh, get back to breaking down tape of all 16 games or however many games are played each week uh, in the uh, week following the uh, games uh, to inform my model, uh, something I did that uh, from 2018 to 2020 before some hiccups in 2021 and uh, this time uh, plan is to uh, you know tell the story of the NFL season from my perspective as we got to talk film observations fantasy football roster building uh, gambling and uh, everything else NFL uh, as the season goes along so um, you know, you can check all of this out at uh, scubacfootball.com, which is the central hub for all of my articles, podcasts, and videos. And uh, real quick, just uh, short term, if you are into fantasy football, I'm going to be wrapping up the initial projections for my model over the uh, next couple of days here. And then I will be back with uh, new videos on uh, the top uh, players at each skill position, new groups of 10 for gamble. You know, kind of see how many uh, for each uh, skill position group and then hit the quarterbacks to wrap things up and uh, I'll also have my uh, fantasy draft boards available uh, so more to follow on that in uh, in the videos to come but uh, yeah so on today's show we'll be wrapping up the uh, NFL preseason uh, videos so uh, you know I think we'll end up with 31 since I did the uh, Bucks and Rams uh, video and podcast together uh, but yeah so the Cleveland Browns uh, interesting team to to wrap up with and um, you know I guess, you know, there's uh, nothing to talk about except for, uh, you know, uh, Browns quarterback, uh, Deshaun Watson, and uh, who was just the ultimate uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in 2022. And uh, I think that, you know, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you have to really wonder uh, what to expect from from your quarterback this fall. So, um, yeah, so so to start with the Cleveland Browns, um, I think it's important to really understand how leveraged they are on this, this short-term timeline here. So, you know, right right now, um, I know the New Orleans Saints are way up there for next year's salary cap, but uh, the Browns are are up there as well. They're at, you know, 310 million on, on next year's cap. So it's going to be really difficult to keep um, this level of talent around Deshaun Watson in the years to come. It's, it's not going to happen all at once, right? They'll extend contracts, all, all that sort of jazz, but it's going to be difficult with, with no first round pick next year, you know, fourth round pick, you know, just all the picks that they traded to acquire Deshaun Watson it's just going to be difficult to maintain this level of talent around him because right now the Browns are absolutely loaded right now. I mean, you can look at the guard tandem of Joel Batonio and, and Wyatt Teller. You can look at right tackle, Jack Conklin, uh, running back in Nick Chubb, uh, Amari Cooper at wide receiver, uh, David Njoku at tight end. Uh, and then, you know, all world defensive end, Miles Garrett. And, and then the other cornerstone on defense uh, in cornerback Denzel Ward. All of these are really, really good players, um, but they're also on the books for for big time money. And uh, as is Deshaun Watson. So, you know, it doesn't take a cap expert to figure out that, you know, it's it's going to be difficult to keep this whole group together when you're paying that many players, right? And, you know, you can kind of, you know, 
look at the future of the roster and, and read in the tea leaves certain players that it might be d- difficult to keep around who are nevertheless important players, you know, players like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is, you know, slated to be the number two wide receiver and who I think has shown a lot of ability on film and, uh, you know, just kind of needs to get the quarterback play to really shine. And, uh, you know, another player in, in safety, Grant Delpit, who I think really came along last year and uh, it showed a lot of improvement and, you know, not, not that safety is, you know, the market busting position in the NFL right now, but, you know, Cleveland's going to be uh, hard pressed to keep anybody around uh, with, with the way that their, uh, their salary cap is structured right now. So w- w- with all of that said, um, you know, and, and um, everything was, you know, aligned for Deshaun Watson to come in here, you know, locked and loaded and, and, and boost this team into Super Bowl contention. Right. And that's not even close to what the Browns uh, got last year. And of course they're, they're having to proceed as, as if that is the quarterback they're going to get for this upcoming season, which, you know, makes sense with, with how leveraged they are on this play already. Like there, there's no, there's no turning back now. Right. So, you know, in terms of, you know, them signing defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson to shore up the, the interior of the run defense on a, on a contract that's heavily backloaded there um you know whatever the potential repercussions are down the road from from making that move you know i think it's it's well worth it because you know at this point you know you'd be equivalent over you know 10 grand in debt when you're already a hundred thousand over leverage in the future right it just doesn't make sense to to not address a clear need with a player like dalvin tomlinson who's really good at the position so you know i think you can guess from all the players i've listed here that this is a damn good roster right and you know, it, it really comes down to what they're going to get from Deshaun Watson. So for, first off, let's um let's talk about what they got um from Deshaun Watson uh last year. Um I think that from a physical standpoint, Deshaun Watson looked like the same player. Um is specifically as, as a runner and a scrambler, I, I thought that he looked a lot like the guy that he was in Houston. And um so and and in terms of physical ability throwing the ball as well, I didn't really see anything that suggested to me that you know, anything was going on there, which, you know, hey, it's not like he was injured uh, physically or anything like that um, during his absence. Obviously, you know, it's not really the type of stuff I want to get into on, on, on a film breakdown show, but, um, you know, but everyone's aware if you're watching the show of, you know, Deshaun Watson's timeline there with, with all the, of these assault, uh, sexual assault allegations and everything that went along with it uh, that precipitated his departure from Houston for that, you know, incredible trade haul. And then, of course, the, the fully guaranteed contract, which, you know, all of that suggests that you're sure that you're getting an MVP candidate at quarterback, which is, you know, what the Houston Texans consistently got when, when Deshaun Watson was on the field uh for them uh last year that that's uh, is not what the browns got at all um because you know for the running ability and you know the the fact that physically he looked okay throwing the ball he simply didn't seem to be seeing the field very well and he, there were certainly moments where you got the idea especially in the first couple of weeks that okay like it's coming together he'll get the feel for this again and and it'll start to click, but th- that just never happened. And, and arguably it got worse as, as the season went along in, in certain respects in, in those six games that we saw from Deshaun Watson. And, you know, whether he, I think that ball placement was certainly a part of it. Um, you know, He just wasn't as consistently accurate as he, as you know, I had come to expect from Deshaun Watson, but, but more than that, it was just the fact that he just didn't seem to see the field. Um, And, and that was really strange to see from a guy who, um, had a very different track record than that. And, you know, so I want to rewind a little bit here real quickly to, to Deshaun Watson as a rookie. And, you know, just, just some notes that I um I had out of his 
first game against uh, the or his first start against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, yeah, just to provide some context, in, in Week One, if you remember, um, uh, the the Texans um, went with the rather ill-fated uh, decision to start Tom Savage in in the first game of the season against uh, what would uh, go, uh, the group that would go on to become the Saxonville Jaguars. Um, <laughs> Clayus Gamble had four four sacks in that game, and I think I was just going back through the box score. Yannick had two, so you know they, uh, yeah, ja Jacksonville got off to a big start that day against Tom Savage and, and the Houston Texans, and then Deshaun Watson steps in it, I believe, halftime and, and finishes up that game. But you know, in his first start against the Bengals, um, it, it was a game that you know that Cincinnati he gets a win against you know a Bengals team that was you know a very good team throughout the mid 2010s you know it was it's funny as I went back through these notes you know seeing names like uh, Geno Atkins the the former you know all pro defensive tackle Pacman Jones playing playing cornerback uh happened to come across a note where where Sean Watson was targeting Braxton Miller the the former Ohio State quarterback turned turned wide receiver um yeah so funny how the years fly by but um yeah, you know, in, in that first game, um, you know, Watson, he threw for 125 yards and he had five carries for something like 67 and got, you know, the touchdown and really drove the win with his legs. But at the same time, there there were just subtle signs that he was really adapting to the NFL as a passer a lot faster than you might expect from a rookie, um, particularly a rookie in his first game. Um, you know, I, I pulled these these quotes. Um so I'm going to read the, the second play first. So this happens, uh, it's first and 10 on the Houston 31 with, with 135 left in the second quarter. And um, Texans uh, came back uh, with same backside dig into Tampa too. So I'm, I'm noting the concept there that they came back with the same concept that they had run earlier. And then uh, I know Watson hits, hit Hopkins this time. Good, good recognition, good improvement. And, you know, you know, I'll give you the second quote. And the reason I, this was significant when I was watching the film, and I, I still remember that, you know, he's just kind of working through being overwhelmed as a young quarterback. And, and, and that really stood out because, you know, about 10 minutes earlier, I'd written, I believe on, on the previous drive, you know, third and 10 Houston uh, balls on the Houston 40, there's 11 minutes and eight seconds left in the second quarter. Um, Bengals are in a, a show front blitz. So uh, Cincinnati would have been, you know, up on the line, um, you know, with, with most of the players looking like they're going to blitz. They, they roll out of it to, to too deep. So Watson's facing Tampa two. He needs to come back to Hopkins when he recognizes it, but never does. He resets in the pocket. Good pass pro early, but Atkins, Gino Atkins uh, eventually came around and, and ran him down for the sack. So on, on that third and 10, about 10 minutes earlier, Sean Watson had been, been sacked on this. And, you know, I'm not sure that, you know, that Houston did this out of um or or that the, the Bengals ran the cover two out of out of a show front that time. But um you know at the end of the day it was the same concept coming back and you know in terms of being able to make that real time correction uh in 10 minutes um you know just in the second quarter which you know he might have gone off the sidelines and seen it on the tablet or whatever. But you know that that's something you expect from a veteran quarterback, not not a rookie quarterback in his first game who you know is kind of looking overwhelmed in, in certain regards. But then you know, he kind of made that happen. It's like, oh, well, this this is going to be interesting. But you know, I I won't you know try to say that I expected what came in. I guess it was the next five games where Watson either threw for three hundred yards or he threw for at least three touchdowns. He threw for five touchdowns and no interceptions one week. Um, you know, ultimately tears his ACL. But I mean, it was just a spectacular rookie year and. The reason I bring all this up is that Deshaun Watson acclimated to the NFL faster than really any any other player that I, I think that I really remember. Um, it, it, like a Andrew Luck, it was like so quick out of the gates. Um, you know, kind of same thing with Justin Herbert um, playing at you know just an incredibly high level. Um, it, with Watson, I, I felt like it was just a little bit more of a curve where it, it took a second, but like you saw him just 
rapidly assimilated. And I, I guess that is in some respects similar to, to an Andrew Luck or Justin Herbert in terms uh, of just the aptitude. So there are a few, few comparisons at quarterback there, but, you know, I, I guess as I talk this through, you know, Watson caught on as, as quick as anybody I've ever seen catch on. And, you know, we've seen quarterbacks miss, you know, maybe not the 18 months, I guess, that he ultimately missed, or, or maybe it was closer to two years. But, you know, we've seen quarterbacks miss, you know, over a year with, with significant physical injuries. And like, you know, the example I was thinking of of personally was, you know, just Peyton Manning. And, and when he first came back to, to play for the Denver Broncos, and I remember watching some of his preseason stuff and, you know, Peyton was, you know, struggling physically to, to even throw a spiral consistently. But, he sure as heck knew where he wanted to go with the ball. I mean, despite the fact that it wasn't, you know, the prettiest ball, he was completing passes and, you know, it was right back to the Peyton Manning bang, bang of old. And, you know, you can name off any other quarterback that that's, you know, dealt with serious injuries. And, you know, speaking of Andrew Luck, you know, the guy missed a ton of time and he came back and, and I mean, like you could say he was rusty, but, you know, it was a pretty clear ascension, right? You know, he got back on track. That was in a new offense for him. Um, You know, he hadn't played with, uh, um, Frank Frank before and he hadn't been with you know necessarily with, with that whole setup and you know I, I just thought it was alarming um, to see you know Deshaun Watson um, you know and you can hop over to my Substack article where I you know have some some different clips of, of him just you know missing reads or, or just making poor decisions staring down receivers and you know in, in the Cincinnati game I, I recently watched you know just leading Jesse Bates who you know Jesse Bates makes a nice play on that interception where he breaks from center field and, cut, and cuts off that over at I guess it was Donovan Peoples-Jones but same time you know Deshaun Watson you know is looking at that route kind of the whole time and he took his kind of a sweet time in the pocket letting that one go relative to what you know you just would have expected from him in years past where he was just this you know kind of I mean he was spectacular um in terms of what he did on the field and you know again I'm not you know don't know these people personally all I'm looking at is, is what they bring on the field um just to try to assess what's going to happen in NFL games it's not meant to be a, a reflection on how I feel about him personally and you know whatever that's totally out of my realm um but you know, for, for the Browns, um, you know, they ha- they totally sold this out um, for the sake of, you know, putting together a Super Bowl contender around Deshaun Watson. And at the end of the day, they were a better football team last year when Jacoby Brissett was their quarterback. And uh, I mean, there's a reasonable chance they would have made the quarterbacks or, or the playoffs if um, they made the quarterbacks. Jeez, um, they, they would have made the playoffs with, with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback because this is a really good roster, um, really good offensive line. I mean, look at the, the group around um him you know I, I named off all those veterans to, to start this off and you know i think that in, in certain respects you're you know kind of forgetting how good amari cooper is how good david and joku is uh maybe maybe people aren't realizing how good dpj is just because you know this offense ground to a halt and yeah I, I saw an interesting um article that was you know asking if you know there's something wrong with with nick chubb playing with with deshaun watson or is nick chubb not going to be productive with Deshaun watson at quarterback and it was, you know, just kind of a confounding article to me because it was like, well, you know, Nick Chubb was still running the ball just fine. Offensive line was still just fine. But, you know, I if you go back to uh, my, you know, piece on the, the Rams and the Bucks, I talk about, you know, an NFL offense being like a car and, you know, the O-line being the being the wheels and, you know, the, the skill position players being the, the frame in the interior and everything that supports the engine. You know, it, it, as I joke, in, in the best case scenario, you've got a NOS infused engine with somebody like, well, Nick Chubb or, or Justin Jefferson, who makes the engine, the quarterback, you know, 
that much better but at the end of the day the quarterback is the one who's moving the offense we saw that with you know the the Niners in the NFC championship game where he had as talented an offense as you could imagine um and you know they couldn't do anything once they lost their quarterback and you know Nick Chubb's numbers weren't down because of some you know he doesn't some sense that he doesn't fit in the offense with Deshaun Watson he was his numbers were down because the offense wasn't moving consistently with Deshaun Watson at quarterback because you know for whatever flashes he had you know you have to have more than flashes to move an NFL offense down the field and and score a touchdown it's very rare that you're going to have one play that breaks for a long touchdown you know I mean gosh I think back to some teams in years past where like you know the Detroit Lions and Kenny Galladay's spectacular year that precipitated all this you know, that horrible contract the Giants signed him to. But, you know, there was that year where, I mean, after Matthew Stafford got hurt, Detroit's offense was essentially huck the ball up to, to Kenny Galladay a few times a game and, you know, hope to God that on the drives where he catches, you know, a 40-plus yard pass, we could turn that into points because besides that, we're, we're just not going to move the ball. And, you know, I'm not, you know, trying to rip on the, the lines in particular it's just one that came to mind in, in terms of providing that example that look it, it takes more than one play to score a touchdown in the nfl um you know the vast majority of the time and when you've got a quarterback who's playing as inconsistently as deshaun watson was and just not seeing things and not throwing to open receivers and not playing within the timing and structure of the offense and you know really not you know they're, they're not being a clear reason why um yeah, I think I think you just are left, you know, with a total question mark as we enter the the, the upcoming NFL season. Um, in terms of what the Cleveland Browns are going to get from their quarterback, and it, it, if it doesn't work out here, I mean, it's going to be just an unbelievable disappointment for Cleveland fans. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it, and you know, um, I'm sure people will feel a certain way, or or some people will feel a certain way about you know the way that plays out, but um, you know. I thought it was pretty clear that, you know, Deshaun Watson was cluttered mentally last year and, you know, given what had happened in his life, you know, I don't think it's unfair to speculate that maybe the two things are connected. I'm not going to try to get inside his head, but I mean, that's, you know, the timeline you're looking at. Um, And at the end of the day, I don't have an explanation watching his film for what happened that, you know, you went from being a, a quarterback who I consider to be a savant level quarterback um, from the pocket. I, you know, I thought that, Sean Watson was, you know, an Aaron Rodgers with even more escapability, even more running ability. Um, and, you know, he he went from being that and being, you know, I, I still remember that press conference where he was getting asked a, a question about, you know, why he didn't throw the ball down field more in this in this particular game. And he, you know, it first it seemed like it was going to be standoffish, but he started breaking down. No, they were playing a ton of cover four and I, those routes just weren't really available to me the two times they were. And you just saw, you know, him, you know, going through his rewind of the game. It's kind of like LeBron James breaking down certain plays and stuff. And, you know, he was just so on top of it. And to see that, you know, disappear was, um, you know, it was strange. And, uh, yeah, we'll kind of see what happens. Um, if Deshaun Watson is back, then I think the Cleveland Browns offense is as talented as any offense in the league. And, uh, you know, might, might, might well be the, the league's best offense. And if they're that, and you get Miles Garrett, who talk about some over on my sub stack, uh, more in depth on, I mean, the dude is just an alien at six four two seventy five or whatever he is. I mean, it's just crazy looking at, you know, what that dude looks like Um, versus like, you know, I mean, John Bones Jones, who's a great athlete in his own brand over in the UFC, you know, him bulking up to, to heavyweight to 250, you know, and what he looks like. And you know, obviously NFL guys are bigger, but, you know, like Michael Parsons, TJ Watt, those are, you know, 250 pounders. I mean, even, you know, 
uh, Nick, Nick Bosa is 260, 265, and then you got Miles Garrett just, you know, 270, 275, just stacked and just moving like Gumby. I mean, he's his wiggles insane, his verses insane. I mean, you give him the opportunity to just be pinning back his ears and rushing the passer. He might break the NFL sack record. And then you got, you know, Denzel Ward making plays in the back end with, you know, a lot of, a lot of interesting players, right? Newsome. I mean, a lot of good players on, on the Cleveland Browns. But yeah, as we saw at the end of last season, that, that doesn't amount to a whole lot when you've got Deshaun Watson playing the way that he did down the stretch. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, as, as a closing thought, you know, Robert Mays of the Athletic, I was uh, listening to him and Mike Sando go through the quarterback tiers uh, when I was out on a run yesterday. And, he made the point that he doesn't think that there's a middle ground for Deshaun Watson here, that it's either going to be, he gets back to that MVP level and where he's actually seeing the field and, uh, you know, or, or he, um, you know, is going to be down where, you know, you know, maybe he's even a tier four quarterback where he's kind of dragging the team down because he's just, you know, turning the ball over and making poor decisions and, you know, uh, missing out on a lot of opportunities. So, so we'll see, it's, it's going to be interesting and, you know, not, I can't say I'm pulling for it one way or the other, um, you know, um, but it's, uh, you know, it, I think it's just totally up in the air right now. And it's really something we're going to have to wait till week one to see, because it's ultimately a processing thing in real time in NFL games. I don't think anything you get from the practice field, anything you're going to get from looks against static defenses in the preseason is going to give you a real hint as, as to what, what to expect from this um, moving forward. So yeah, that's it for the Browns today. And uh, I did put some thoughts on Miles Garrett and his other dominance over on my sub stack. You can also check that out at scoopcfootball.com. And uh, this was it for my team preview series. So um, you can read articles about any team on uh, Substack. I'm going to get those all over on the scubaseafootball.com website uh, in the days to come. And uh, as I mentioned, I'll have uh, all sorts of fantasy stuff coming up in, in, in the next week or two here. So um, yeah, ch- thanks for checking out the Scuba Sea Football as always. And uh, yeah, um, I'll be in the lab the next day, uh, wrapping up the uh, the projections for, for fantasy football and all. And uh, yeah, I'll be back uh, on the air probably next Monday. So yeah, um, until then, have a, have a great day and a great weekend. All thanks for turning, tuning in.